a guy called Andrew Wilson. And uh, Andrew Wilson's written a number of books. He's a very clever guy. Uh, he's a, he's like a brilliant communicator. And um, I was talking to him about his, his latest book, If God, Then What, uh, which I haven't, I read a little bit of it. I haven't finished reading it. But I was trying to get hold of some copies of it because uh, Yasmin had been running uh, a Christian union at her school for uh, like probably for the last two years, really. And um, we were going to give, as a church, a number of these books as gifts to um, members of our CU. I remember when I was at school and at college and I was running a CU, um, people at that time were either, they were either Christians or, you know, there were a few sort of uh, Muslims there, or they, they were agnostic, they didn't really sort of know what they believed. Um, whereas nowadays, when I talk to Yasmin, probably a third of the people that come to her see you are atheists. Like, you know, they've thought it through and they don't. And we're doing it in order that Jesus is glorified, is made famous. One day, we will worship God forever. One day, we will be in that place along with many others and without interruption, we'll worship him. But not this day. This day is for continuing to build the church. This day is for continuing to re. And I was talking to Andrew about it. I was talking to Andrew Wilson about it, and he had also written an article quite recently on vision being overrated. And uh, I read his article, and in fact, he phoned me back, and I'm reading his article at the time. Back so we had a bit of a laugh about the article. But I, had to finish. Um, I read the article. My first response to the article was. Oh my goodness, uh, should I not say anything about vision? Because, you know, Andrew says it's overrated and blah, 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 blah. Um, and as I thought about that, and I thought about the Bible, and I thought about Beacon, I thought to myself, uh, at one level I can understand why people might think vision is overrated. But there was another level where I thought, do you know what? Churches do need a vision. They do need something to, to sort of look to. And, and they need a vision that's unique to them. It's not enough to have a vision that simply says, and I'm not knocking this, but it simply says, you know, our call here is to love God um, and to love one another and to love the people outside. Yes, at one level that is our call. Um, but if we simply did that, we wouldn't necessarily build a church that, that sort of reflected or helped the needs of the very people that are around us. In Revelation 2, you have a number of churches that the Bible talks about they're all different in their experiences, their expressions, and their environments. This is what it says about to the angel of the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus, this is what it says. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. It doesn't say that about every church. It says that about Ephesus. About the church in Smyrna, it says, I know your afflictions and your poverty. So in Ephesus, it talks about hard work. In another church, it talks about poverty. And to the church in Pergamon, uh, which is my favourite one, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. And so each of those churches was in a different environment, had a different expression, and had a different experience, and they had to get their vision from that. They, their vision couldn't just be so generic that it had nothing to do with the world outside. It had everything to do with the world outside. And so for us, I, I, I thought about Beacon, I realised, do you know what? Our vision has to do with not just who we are, but who the world is outside our doors. It has to relate to that. It isn't enough simply to go, 
love God, love each other, love Pergamum or Ephesus or Brixton. Um, but us, it needed to be, and there needed to be a little bit more to. We had to find what is unique about our contribution to the purposes of God in this age, this generation, and in this place. So it's that type of thing that really, I suppose, uh, we've been wrestling with, or I've been wrestling with. Uh, I imagine some of you don't wrestle with that at all, actually. Uh, but I've been wrestling with for a while. And so, uh, just thinking about that, and thinking about how we articulate that, and it's related to, to our community, it's related to us as a church, it's related to things that God has said to us prophetically, it's related to how we've got to this place. And so the way I've done it, the moment I'll show you, I've just got these seven statements that reflect where we're going. I do just want to remind us, though, that, that our mission, the very thing that God has called us to, he gave us that a while back, and it, and it remains the same. That our mission is to serve the community through building the church to the glory of Christ. That, that's what I believe God has called us to do. We're, we're, we're called to serve. That's what we're, we're called to do. We're called to serve. The way we're called to serve is to build the church. And I've realised not everyone builds the church. Lots of Christians, they are in churches and then they build other ministries and, and that's okay, but for us, we're called to build the church and we're doing it in order that Jesus is glorified, is made famous. One day, we will worship God forever. One day, we will be in that place along with many others and without interruption, we'll worship him, but not this day. This day is for continuing to build the church. This day is for continuing to reach out to, uh, to people who don't know him. Building the church is more than about soul winning, although we long for souls to be one, but it is more than about soul winning. It is about transforming lives and seeing the kingdom impact Jesus. We want to see souls uh, one, but we also want to see areas transformed and changed. So here goes, what's the vision of Beacon? The first is this, you might think that's like a bit boring. Our vision is for health and balance. Our vision is for health and balance. To be a healthy, to be a church with a healthy balance by operating in accordance with the great commandment and the great commission. You'll know this if, if you've ever read any Whit Brown stuff, we're not trying to be a purpose-driven church, but I love the fact that um, the whole idea of the five purposes is to bring balance to the church. And the balance is this, that we would be a church that worship, we would be a church that serve, we would be a church that evangelise, disciple, and that we would fellowship together. And that we're trying to do all of those things. We're not, we're not trying to be a church that just evangelises. Yeah? We want to disciple as well as evangelise. We want to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission. What does it mean? It, it means like when you build a house, um, you want to decorate and work on every room. And we, when we were in our last house and we, we, we were able to uh, decorate that um, from top to bottom, we slowly went through every room of the house. Yeah? We didn't spend all our time, or it felt like all our time, but we didn't spend all our time just on the bedroom. 
trying to get the bedroom right, and you know, the bedroom was really nice, but every other room wasn't. We actually went through every room of the house. And so as a church, we're trying to build a church that has good worship, that has that serves the community, that evangelizes people, that disciples people, and that has a fellowship together. We're trying to build a church that does all of those things, not one of those things. We think that health and balance are important if you want to truly establish a church and to build a church that will continue to grow. Secondly, we want to be a church that is of the word and of the spirit. Again, we don't just want to be one or the other. We want to have both. We want to be a church that is Christ-centered, spirit-filled, gospel-focused, and grace-filled. And even more in these days when when we live in this very pluralistic society, people talk a lot about God, talk about spiritual things. We want to be very specific when we talk about God. We mean the God who's revealed in Jesus. We don't just mean God out there somewhere. We mean the God who has revealed himself by his son, Jesus. When we talk about the Spirit, we don't just mean spiritual thoughts. We mean the Holy Spirit of God who comes and connects to our spirit and guides us in life. The Holy Spirit is welcome among us. And that's what we mean when we talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Spirit of God. When we talk about gospel-centered, we, we believe that people can come to a place of belief and understanding and life transformation through Jesus, through the gospel. That you can move from darkness to light. That you can be saved. That you can get to that place where you are assured of your salvation and of your future. And though at times as Christians we are, we are prone or we have a tendency to be tempted to get anxious. We don't need to get anxious because of what Jesus has done, because we are found in him. And we want to be grace-filled. Because you know what? I think one of the biggest issues we have is that people don't understand what God is like. God is a God is a God of grace. That he accepts us. That he loves us. That everything he did for us, he did it before we did anything in return. God doesn't work on conditions. Not in that sense. He's, we're accepted. And I just think so many people don't recognise God like that. They think of God as either being distant or, or being sort of difficult. He's a harsh God waiting to punish. He's not like that. He's a, he's a God who loves us and accepts us. So we want to be a word and a spirit church. We love the Bible. Yeah? And, I, and, I, and I love the Bible. I didn't always love the Bible. I was, just think the Bible was boring and then I had a particular pastor, and he just used to preach the Bible week after week after week. And over time, I grew to love the Word for myself. And I want you to grow to love the Word for yourself. I want you to wake up each morning and to turn to the pages of Scripture and to say, God, would you speak to me today? And you know what he does every day? It's not like, you know, it's not like a performance of it. It's today. He's always there. And that's how you grow certainly my experience as well. The health and balance, word and spirit, we, our vision is for a church of transformed individuals. To be a church that is a place where people who are broken get restored and that they themselves become restored. So you would know that that came prophetically to us, really. It wasn't something we thought about. It came prophetically to us through that passage in Isaiah 61 that God takes hold of people who were broken and he restores them. But he doesn't just restore them so that they would love and worship him. He restores them in order that they might help restore others. 
It's why Emma prayed and she talked about that we would comfort those with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God hasn't comforted you just so that you can go home tonight. Why would you wonder about that? No, he's comforted you in order that you might come to us. But actually, for some people, you're not in that place. You're not ready for that. You're not, you're not ready to do the comforting of others because actually he's still doing some comforting for you. And we're saying, though we, though we be small and there's lots to do, we are still saying, do you know what, it's okay to be broken? It's okay just to be here? Okay to find a place where, where you are being restored? But know that you're being restored for a purpose. You're being restored for fun. You're being restored in order that you might go and help others. So, so it's a vision of us to be a place of transformed individuals. And, and we're doing that already. Yeah? We've seen that. We've seen people come through um, a, a place where they were broken and they are being restored. They are beginning to restore others. Next, our vision is to embrace diversity. It was going to be in there. Um, I had no choice. Even if I didn't want it in there, somebody was going to say, I'm going to have diversity. No, but diversity, to embrace diversity, where we cross divides created or, or, or are there by age, class, culture, education, or ethnic background, and we demonstrate one new man in Christ in diversity and unity. And what I mean by that is, is diversity is something that has to be in relationships. It's not just in how we look. Because it's easy to look dumb. It's easy look like everything's great. And you've got, oh my, look at all the different nations that are in your church. Isn't that wonderful? But actually, we're really looking for something that reflects what Ephesians 2 talks about. People who were once aliens and strangers become friends in Christ. And, and it's such a big thing. It's such a big thing in my heart that the church would be like that. And that, what that means in practice is that you might have people who know you, but they're not like you. And actually, in that rich environment, you learn about one another. You learn from them. And I think Pauline and I have, have a, a, in many ways, a, a fun marriage. The fun part of our marriage doesn't come from me particularly, although it, it comes from me in the sense that I can be the object of most of the fun, yeah? even though I might not generate it deliberately. Yeah? I seem to be the, the subject matter of much of it. Um, but in our family, we've learned so much about about the, because we've come from different backgrounds. We've actually learned so much. Our experience of life is so much richer because we've learned about one another and our backgrounds. And, and I wasn't even from a hugely different background myself, but actually my history was so different and we've learned so much and that has enabled us to appreciate other difference. I've noticed that even with the, how confident Pauline is now in relating to people who are very different to her simply because through marriage and through engaging with these issues, we've learned to do it. Whereas by nature, we withdraw from it. And I'm like, my prayer, a big prayer of mine, is that our church would be genuinely diverse. That people would come and that they could find friends here who are not like them. Because the most powerful thing, the deepest thing that unites us is Christ. And if we don't make that the deepest thing, the thing that, we, that will unite us will be culture, Culture is not is not unified very much. For all of us here, there are different cultures. But Christ is unified. Christ brings us together. And, and I honestly think he is more glorified 
in diversity, simply because it says so much more about him when, when people exist together and those walls of division have been broken down. It says so much about Jesus. It doesn't say anything about anyone else. It says so much about Jesus. And so we are to pursue that in our hearts to be, to be people that gain understanding through relationships. We don't, we don't be satisfied with our own stuff, but actually we pursue relationships with people who are different. And we'll talk about that um, at some point, I think, in the future. Because it is a big thing in my heart that that, that is seen. That's what we're like. Next, our vision is to build a family. Our vision is to build a family, to be a church which builds on family relationships as the way to relate. Husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. And you'll see various uh, scriptures there. And this, this is for a number of reasons. You'll remember, or I'll tell you if you don't know, that right at the beginning of the church, or in the first year of the church, when Julian Adams came, one of the words that he brought he brought to us was this, I feel there's going to be a strong ministry to single mothers in this church. Scores and scores of single mothers coming to Beacon. God's going to give Beacon an ability to provide family to those that don't have family. So keep a family mentality and keep family at its core because God is going to give Beacon as a family to the community. So there is this sense of us being a family together. And when I talk about family relationships, I think, I don't mean like the nuclear family, like myself and Pauline and the kids, we're going to be the church. But actually, God gives us those relationships within the church. Yeah? That you can be brothers and sisters. And you know some churches, you go and they talk about hello brother. and I'm not necessarily talking about using those terms. You can use them if you want, but I'm not necessarily talking about the terms, but the relationships. The brothers and the sisters. The fathers and the sons. And, and, the, and, and those types of relationships can exist within the church. And I actually think it's really important that they do exist. I think it's really important that we have the richness of different types of relationships within the community that God is calling us to build. I also think that just thinking about the community that we're a part of, the community that we're, uh, that, that we're here a part of, but one of the things that, that I see in the community around us is the devastation of families. Yeah? One of the things that Food Bank has shown me is that people don't access Food Bank simply because the benefits have gone wrong. They access Food Bank because of the breakdown of family. Yeah? The amount of people that have come in is because, oh, my mum's chucked me out. I've fallen out with my sister. I was living with my aunt. It's, it's those types of things. It's those types of things that are bringing people to food banks. So there's this devastation of family. And in this particular area, that, that seems to be a stronghold. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. The, the, the sort of the percentage of, of single mothers in this community is massive. One of the highest in Europe. And so you've got this devastation of family, but you also have, you do have family units, but they are detached. They're not connected into anything. And so you have people that aren't in family, then you have people that are in families, but they're their own family. And so unlike most places in the world, 
In Brixton, wealth and poverty live next door. And they don't talk. They live next door. And they don't talk. Most places in the world, that's not what happens. You have cities where, you know, you have the king and he's got all his money, or the princes, and he's, he's creaming everyone, but he doesn't live in everyone. Here in Brixton, we live next door to one another. People who have, and people who have not. And we're trying to build a family that embraces both. The haves and the have-nots. And I feel, for me, that's a big thing. I feel... Bill, as a, as a father of, of three girls, and you know, it's, it's different having girls. I was a boy, I remember that. It's different having girls, yeah? They don't like football as much, but you're not watching it, they might like to play, but they don't like to watch it. Um, so it, it's different having girls, and, and I've realised that we live in a world, if you think about it, and I've said this before, where, where we think, oh, there's this fatherless generation, and we think of young men without fathers, and we don't think of young girls without fathers. And yet, why are there so many single teenage girls, single parents and teenagers? Partly because they're no fathers. The girls do not know how to relate to men, apart from in one way. And we want, to, we want to help change that. We want to build healthy relationships between not just fathers and sons, but fathers and daughters. It is, there are appropriate and healthy relationships that we can have. One Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, he says, don't you become an older man harshly. And he treat him with respect. He talks about how to treat widows, and he says, he says, treat younger women uh, as sisters with absolute purity. So there is a way that we can relate, which is family. Get a richness of family through relationships in the church that you can't get anywhere else. You know, your church family should even overcome, in some ways, your natural family because the bond is so much deeper when you're in Christ. That's not to say that you go, oh, well, Pauline, you're not, you know, these are actually, if you've got a family and you're in the church, that's great, but where you don't have, this becomes a place of building. And in a place where family has been devastated or is detached, the church to build family, I think, would be quite meaningful. That's one of the things that we're trying to do. We also want to be a church that loves and serves those in our community and the community around us, whether they are rich or they are poor, or whether they have or they do not have. And again, we're not, it's not, that's not just about trying to start ministries for people who, have, who don't have. It's literally trying to build a community of both groups of people to love and to serve. Serving is a major part of what we're called to do. Not receiving, giving, serving. It's a major part of what we're called to do. So if you come to church because you because you're thinking, well, come to church, what am I going to get out of it today? That's the wrong mentality. The mentality we come with is one to serve. What does Jesus say? He came, he came not to be served. Serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we come to serve, not to be served. It is better to give than it is to receive. Do we come with those types of attitudes? Those are the ones that we want to build upon as a local church. And to serve one another, but also to serve the community around us. We want to be a church that is generous. Generous in terms of our gifts, our money. 
and I'll highlight, I love the passage in 1 Corinthians uh, 8 and 9 where it talks about the Macedonian church, out of their poverty they gave. Yeah? And they were, they were keen to participate in the grace of giving. I'd love us to be keen to participate in the grace of giving. And we are keen, actually. And to, be, and to give not just money, but in our time, in our gifts. That's one of the reasons we started our grace fund, was that there would not be, where possible, needy people among us. Where we could help, we would help. And that wouldn't just be with money, but with, with uh, it might be your gifts, things that you can offer. So God has given us, if you like, something to do as a church. You might be thinking, what's my life about? What, do I, what am I going to do about it? God's put you in a community that's trying to build something. And it's always about community. It's not about, it's not individual. It's not about, you know, well, what can I do? What's my life? What's my mission? What's my call? Actually, God calls us to be part of community and to build something and to do that together. So I want to ask this question. What does Beacon need? What does Beacon need? If it is the case that God has called us to, to, to be a family, to be generous, to, to receive those who are broken, restored, to be a healthy church, to, to be a word and spirit. If that is the case, what does Beacon need? What do we need to achieve that? Just some things, and if ever we have got a membership list of things to do, if there were a list, it would be things like this. Beacon needs people, I suppose, who get the mission. You understand it. You go, do you know what? Yeah, I'm going to give my time to that. Beacon needs people who will attend and serve regularly. You'll know we went on our church weekend away, and it was quite funny because we went on a church weekend away and we took more people away on our weekend than we do on a Sunday morning. That normally happens, that's like a record. More of us went away than come on a Sunday. But people, but the church needs. People who will attend and serve regularly. It needs people who see grace in everything. You know what? You see little things that happen. If you think back to Moses and the Israelites, and the Israelites didn't realize that when God provided the manna and the meat and the water, that was grace to them. A miracle. They complained about the onions and the garlic of Egypt, not realizing that God was providing for them miraculously every day. We need to learn to see grace in stuff. Whether it's where you're living or the job that you've got, you think, oh my goodness, I don't like my job. I do this, I do that, I do that. You think, I don't know, but it's not the grace of God. I remember 18 months or so ago, we had a number of people, I remember us praying for people who were out of work. Nearly everyone who was out of work. If not everyone. That's the grace of God. So the grace of God to you. You might be waking up every morning and thinking, oh, I don't like my work, I don't like this, I don't like job. You've just got to stop for a moment and go, do you know what God is gracious? I was without work and I know I'm happy. I was without this thing and I'm fantastic. Maybe you were without the church and you were without the church. It's the grace of God to you. And that we need to learn to see life like that. 
that God is gracious to us. We need to learn to do our best without trying to be the best. Yeah? Do your best, but don't try and be the best. Because God's not about you always being uh, the number one, but he is about you always giving it your all. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, work in it as working for the Lord. That's been a motivation for me for 25 years. Why? Because my mum, that's all my mum always used to say. Whatever you do. Don't think to yourself, well, I don't really Whatever you do, have a value when you work in it. So we can need people who attend it soon. People need, we can need people who see grace in it. We can need people who work in it. We can need people who carry weight. Who take responsibility. We can need people who, who will be leaders, and leaders are people who take responsibility and carry weight. They're not people who just spot problems. Leaders don't just spot problems. You just take that one away. You might think, well, I can see where we can these people who carry weight. And if it's going to be a church that grows, it needs that. It needs people who will devote themselves to the work. And that's not to say that you, you might have a job and you might think, you know, my calling is my work. So that's what God has called me to do. And you might want to bless everyone. Don't make that an excuse. I know what it is to work. I like to work for the church. Yeah, I worked for 14 years for the Crown Persecution Service, and for many of those years, I was balancing serving in the church, working, and family life. And for five years, I was I was one of the senior leaders at church. I was working, and I was balancing family life. Nobody is to work. To have to make judgment calls and priority calls. But you know what? In my heart, whether I'd ever gone full time or not, and that was never necessarily going to happen, I was always open to that not happening. Partly because Paulie didn't want that, I was never going to do that. But in my heart, there was this thing that said, whatever I do, I'll do it as I do. Whatever I do. Whether that's cleaning the church building, whether that's preaching, or whether that was in my workplace. My boss would never have said it. It might be he's not very good. Yeah. He's not quite competent. That might be true. But no one would have said he doesn't care. Because he did care. One of the ways that you witness is through how you work. You don't just witness through words. You know, get one Jesus out and start telling people. If that doesn't match up to how you live, no one's going to listen to you. So it's important. And Beacon needs people that do that. It also needs people who extend grace. We trust. Yeah? We don't always go, oh, what did he mean by that? Oh, I think he meant that. They don't always do that. They extend grace. They trust. If they're really unsure, they ask the question of the right person. Because otherwise, it's very easy to get distracted. We get distracted on the little things. And we no longer focus on the things that we can do. I want us to be a church. I want us to be a church that focuses. God has called us to do something. We have a unique opportunity to build something. So that's what Beacon needs. If we're going to be this church that fulfill what God has called us to, 
we need those things. We're not going to do it just through, um, you know, being half-hearted and don't try to that word. I can't remember that word earlier on. But she talked about, um, do you remember what she said? So, so this whole idea of there is treasure here, and how much, how much are you going to give to get that? Are you really going to go for that? And sometimes I think that our danger will be that you know, yeah, I love the church, I want to do this, but you know, I'm just going to hang on to these things, and we, and we don't we don't run with with all we're worth. We we run a bit, but we're still just I'm just going to make sure that I don't give up everything. Sometimes there needs to come a point where you go, do you know what? There's a little bit, or as a family, we're a bit like that. Yeah? Now, I'm not a big sort of, you know, I mean, I sleep a lot, I know that, but, but there's an element where we're just out there now. You know, we've got no plans to go anywhere. We've got no thoughts. It's almost like when Peter said to Jesus, when Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, He's saying two things in that. He's like, you know what? We've cut everything off, Jesus. You can imagine Jesus thinking, oh God, they've got nowhere else to go. And you've got to get to that place. And it doesn't mean that you're going to sell your house and you're going to be like, I'm on the streets now, God, where do you. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing when you, you cut off everything. You cut off everything. Forgetting what is behind and pressing on towards what is behind. So there's a there's just a, a question for us. Are we gonna build this together? Are we gonna make this church work? Are we gonna build this community? Are we gonna fulfill the vision? Are we gonna look back one day and go, Do you know what God was amazing? There was a moment where I knew I had to just go. That's what I think God is calling us to do. There are lots of practical things that we need to do, but essentially it's a heart. God means your heart. God means your heart. You and I have to give is nothing in comparison. What we have to lose is nothing in comparison. Okay, I'd like us to stand. Okay, close your eyes and uh, In your heart right now, I want you to 
Think about the cost. Think about what you're holding on to. <clears throat> Think about what's weighing on the other side of the scales. When you think about, am I prepared to give everything? What is, what is it I'm holding on to? What are the things that are over here? Oh, you know, it's, I can't give up my holidays. I mean, Lord, like, I can't give up. I can't give up my independence and my freedom. I can't give up my pursuit of this. And I just want you to think about that for a moment, because what we're seeking to build here is is something for eternity. It's your eternity. It's my eternity. And you know what? It's the eternity of maybe hundreds of people outside these doors. It's linked to that. It's something that's going to last forever, not going to last for a moment, for a few years. And God has gifted all of us here with different gifts. Are we using the gifts that He has given to us to build our own thing? Has God given you an ability to maybe share? The gospel is giving you the ability to listen and to communicate. And you simply do that to build your own thing. You may be maybe a resourceful individual, and you simply use that to build your own little thing. And what he says to you this morning is there's an opportunity you know, to build something that will last people for something. And I know that people need to get to this point because I know I got to this point when I saw the church for what it could be. I remember seeing it, I remember thinking, do you know what, if that's it, I could be involved in building something that would last for eternity. If I could be part of that, then I'm not going to worry about this. And so in my heart, I was one to it at that moment. That was years ago, 20 odd years ago. I was one to it. I didn't always know what it meant, how I was going to work it out, but I was one to it. I was one to it. Have you been one to it? Because in the end, God will have his church. He will have a generation that's seeking. He will have a generation that transforms. He will. The question is, will it be ours? Or will it just wait for that? It's understanding that in the sovereign purposes of God, you and I are here now. We're here now. The sovereign purposes of God. You may have wanted to be. You may have thought, I'm here under duress. I didn't choose to be. But you are here. You're here now. And so are we going to come together and to build something that glorifies his name? Or are we just going to play church and come and sing some songs and play some friends? Are we going to battle for the sake of family and our community? Are we not going to watch the devastation? Are we not going to be detached? We're going to play the role that he has given us to, to build a family which becomes a gift for the community. What are we going to do? What God calls us to do. But it's a choice. He always gives us a choice. To go with him or not go with him. And this morning it's laid out for us the choice to build in or just to walk around. Do you know what? I don't want to be like that first group
with people that left Egypt. They saw mighty miracles and they complained about them. They complained about them. Pray for a community that doesn't do that. cheering us up. We want to overcome every hurdle. We want to beat our bodies into submission. That we would fulfill everything you've called us to do. Father, do a work in us, I pray. In every heart. Don't take down the barriers. If you've been encouraged in your faith by this message, or would simply like to find out more, why not come and join us at the Ritzy Cinema, Screen One, Brixton, London. Sunday from 10 o'clock to 11.30am.